0: Yeah, if this is your first time with us, you are at church this morning, so uh, little David Bowie there, a star man. We're wrapping up our uh, series, uh, and we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said that were just out of this world, out of this world statements, uh, statements that I believe challenge our minds, and also statements that it kind of expand our thinking as to What is possible with God? Now, Jesus uh, was talking to his followers one day, and he said this. He said, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why this world hates you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, friends, we live in this world. But we're not of this world. And because we understand that, it changes our focus to focus on God's kingdom, to focus on eternity, and we live differently, we think differently, we approach life differently. You know, Jesus said, he says, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all that's what? Fullness, fullness. In other words, Jesus not only came to save us from our sins and to save us from death, Jesus not only came to give us eternal life, but Jesus also came so that we could have life here and now, so that we could have that life in all of its fullness, so that we could have life that is only possible with with God and Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today's out-of-this-world statement that we're going to look at comes from the book of Luke. Luke. Luke says this, And this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they offered sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee, Jesus asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. Then Jesus kind of shifts his thoughts and he talks about another incident. He goes, And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No. I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Now when I read that, I kind of go, Whoa, what's going on? And, and there are several things happening. And we're going to kind of dissect this. I mean, we have a, a bloody massacre that happens at the temple. And then we've got this disaster where a tower falls on some people, 18 people are killed. And then we have Jesus who doesn't really address the two issues. And instead, Jesus makes what would appear on first look making some very harsh comments. It's almost like the sensitivity chip in in Jesus kind of malfunctioned or something. We're We're not used to that, but... Some people approach Jesus. They're reporting some news to him, and you know, I, I got thinking about how much news has changed through the years. When I when I was a kid growing up, and some of you will be with me on this, we got our news one of three places: ABC, NBC, CBS. If you wanted to know what was happening that's how you got your news, or you read the paper the next day to find out what had happened. But I remember watching uh, Walter Conkite and uh, David Brinkley, John Chancellor, and we'd find out what happened that day, and so we'd catch the news. Today we get it 24-7, don't we? In fact, you have entire stations dedicated to political news or weather news or sports news. And so the moment something happens, you know, it it, it posts, you get a notification on your phone, the internet blows up, you know, Jay-Z, Beyonce, have twins, you know, oh boy, whoa. I'm glad I found that out. Do you ever feel like the news? Sometimes it's just, it's overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. But in Jesus' day, the news traveled by mouth. And so some people come to Jesus and they're telling him what has happened. They said, hey, Jesus, did did you hear? There were people murdered at the synagogue. Pilate ordered the hit. And so we know the, the Galileans in that day, they were kind of a zealous group, and they kind of wanted to rebel against Rome. And we know from history, this particular situation was ignited because of a protest. The, in other words, the, the Jews had found out that Pilate had, had taken some cash from the synagogue, And I'm going to guess he took it to kind of support his armies or whatever. But the Galileans, they they protest and they riot. And so in retaliation, Pilate has some of his men wait for him at the entrance. And when they're coming in to worship, he has them killed. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, like this morning we came in to worship and he just has them slaughtered. Then you got this second situation and it's a situation Jesus raises, he says, well, what about the 18 people that were killed the other day, that, that tower that fell and they all got killed? The crowd that was gathered wanted Jesus to deal with an issue for them, the issue of, of evil and suffering. And so they're trying to sort this out. If we've got this powerful God, how do you explain That there's suffering in the world. In other words, they're asking Jesus a question that many times people ask. Why do bad things happen to good people? And from Jesus' response, we're going to learn a few things, I I think. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to kind of deal with tragedy in life. And we're going to call this the kind of dealing with falling towers in life. And one of the the wrong ways of dealing with these falling towers is to say, well, the reason why it happens is it's the result of sin. You know, it's kind of a religious mentality, I would say legalistic mentality. If I do bad things, bad things will happen to me. If I do good things, then good things will happen to me. And it kind of creates a very false perspective on life. If something bad's happening in someone's life, then then people go, well, they must have done something. And I, and I look at that and I go, well, maybe, maybe not. And let's, let's be clear. There are times that bad things happen, and it is the direct result of sin. We, we've all experienced it or seen it in life, you know, those situations when maybe somebody has been drinking, they get behind the wheel, and then somebody ends up dying. And so the result of that is a result of sin. That is the case sometimes, but not always the case in life. The the mentality that, well, good things happen. If I do something good, then good things are going to happen in my life. And if I do something bad... What's going to happen? Bad things are going to happen in my life. Mm-mm. It's not the right mentality. There's another mentality out there that looks at these falling towers and says, "Well, suffering's random. It's blind chance. Everything that, that happens, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, there's no purpose, there's no God. Everything is luck of the draw. Sometimes you get good luck." And sometimes you get bad luck. And I will tell you, that's a very secular way to look at life. I mean, it sounds great in a debate, maybe on CNN or Fox News or something. But in the real world, explaining a problem, explaining evil, explaining suffering as kind of a random chance, well, I don't think it flies, does it? I mean, you ask someone that's been raped or abused or has dealt with a significant tragedy in their life, and you tell them, hey, tough luck. Doesn't fly, does it? There's the religious kind of legalistic view that says it's always because of sin, and they must have done something wrong. That's why this happened. So you got that. Then way over here, We've got this very secular view that says, you know what? Suffering, it's, it's random. It's simply the luck of the draw. Those are the two options that kind of end up out there. And Jesus' life, he refutes both of these options. He says they're both wrong. And Jesus' life, I think, makes it very, very clear when, when you study. Think, think about this for a minute. Jesus lived a perfect life, Right? But Jesus suffered with great purpose in his life. He showed us what God was like. He showed us what it was like to be human. And so Jesus lived perfectly, yet he experienced abuse, betrayal, suffering. Again, his suffering had purpose. It wasn't random. He went through that suffering and that pain for for us. And so it kind of changes how I pray, at least, because I realize when, when we pray, when we go to God, when we have towers fall on us in our life, then we're not going to a God that doesn't understand. Uh, we don't go to a God who, who's kind of off in the distance going, you yeah, know, no force, no power, no care, who, you know, it's just happening. No, we go to a God that's very powerful, a God who cares, a God who's transcendent, a God that has come down and experienced pain and suffering himself. And so what we learn is towers fall on everyone. In fact, if you live long enough, you'll have towers fall on your life. Some of you have. I have. I mean, when that happens, the first thing that you find yourself thinking is, why? Why? I mean, you cry out, why God? I mean, why did, did my parent leave when I was a child? You know, why did my best friend die at such a young age? You know, why did I get this disease? Why? You know, why God? And the Bible's full of whys. The oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Job asked that question over and over. Why? Why? He's trying to figure it out. It's a good read if you're going through that in your life also encourage you to read the psalms you know the psalms ask that question over and over why god you read it and and you learn but when you're hurting when you're in pain you spend time in in god's word you spend time in, in god's church you know we worship we connect with other people people that can help us get get through it people that can encourage that can listen that can help that can embrace some of you, it's why you're still standing. It's because people have come alongside you. But I need to move on here. You see, when we look at the context of this scripture that we're looking at, Jesus does not respond to the problem of evil and suffering. I mean, those issues are addressed other places in Scripture. Jesus, several times in his ministry, addresses them, but not here. Jesus, the only thing he does is he kind of raises another question and kind of tosses it back to him. He says, were they worse sinners than you, people that went through this? Yes? No? I mean, really understand what Jesus, why he went off in another direction, why why he doesn't seem to uh, answer their question, why he seems to have lost his sensitivity here, you, you have to go back a chapter. And you've heard me say this, when you're studying scripture, you ever read a scripture and you go, what does that mean? I don't understand it. I mean, that happens to me all the time. And so I've always said you've got to read the stuff that come, the verses that come after it, the verses that come before it, to try and understand it. And if you're still sitting there going, well, I still don't get it, well, then you need to read the chapters before and after, and pretty soon you, you start pulling things into focus. And my point really is that context is vital here. It's important. So if you back up a chapter, Luke 12, Jesus tells a story about a farmer. And he says, This farmer, this farmer's killing it. He's got a bumper crop. He's got huge profits on the commodities market. He's building bigger barns and bigger silos. And he thought that his run would never stop. And so he's on this roll. And then Jesus says in the story, He says, You fool. Didn't you know tonight you're going to have a heart attack? You're going to give an account before God about your life, and it's in that context, it's a context of urgency here, that Jesus makes that out-of-this-world statement. Friends, we are in this world, but we're not of this world This world is not our home. In other words, we are just passing through, and this life is brief. And Jesus wanted people in his audience and wanted people here today to understand the urgency in life. The fact is, life's uncertain. Life's unpredictable. You never know how much time you have left. How how many of you remember the the show Lost in Space? We're going to date us. All right. (laughs) That show, it uh, followed the Robinson family and the crew, and they they traveled through space on Jupiter 2. Now, how many of you are trivia buffs? Trivia buffs? All right. Help me out here. What is the robot's most famous saying? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Danger, you know. Warning. Friends... Many times, they would hear that warning from that robot, and they, they would pause for a second. They heard what the robot was saying, and then they would proceed, and they'd get tangled up in all kinds of dangerous situations, made for a great show. But friends, ignoring the warnings in life, not so great. Jesus is warning his listeners. He's warning us to take immediate action and return to God. You know, in our story, people are asking Jesus about evil and suffering. And I want you to think about who's Jesus talking to in that audience? See, he's not talking to people, he's not uh, consoling people that have lost loved ones in the synagogue. He's not talking to people that had lost members, uh, family, and when the tower fell. No. Jesus was talking to people who hadn't had that experience in their life. They hadn't had a tower fall yet. He's talking to good people. He was talking to religious people. People that had memorized Scripture. They knew Scripture well. People that prayed. And Jesus is calling them to repent. I was thinking about repentance. It's got a bad rap in our PC culture, hasn't it? When, when you hear the word repent, what do you think about? Think about it for a moment. What do you imagine? Because I'll bet you, most of you, You picture some dysfunctional, hate-filled individual yelling, you know, repent, sinner. You know, turn or burn in your life. That kind of thing. But friends, the word repent, I mean, in in the Greek, it's metanuyo. It means to change one's mind. To amend your ways. In other words, you're, you're going this direction. It's the wrong direction. And when you repent, you turn. You do a 180. You, when you repent, you turn away from something. Turn away from something maybe that's destructive in your life. You turn away from, from someone maybe that's messing you up. But when you repent, you turn, you go a new direction. Jesus is telling the, the crowd, and he tells them twice. He says, repent, turn away, turn away now. The, the crowd, they, they come seeking counsel. They go, why do bad things happen to good people? And Jesus kind of deflects it. says, I'm not going to deal with that right now. And instead, I want to deal with your heart. I'm more concerned about you than this question. I'm more concerned that you need to turn away from some stuff in your life that you know's wrong. It says, Don't delay, I want you to do it now. And it's kind of an intellectual boomerang, I, I think. It, it catches the, the listeners and that crowd, it catches them off guard. It's an out of this world statement that hits them right in the heart. You know, unless you repent, unless you turn away. Yeah, you're going to experience some devastating consequences. Both in this world and in the world to come. And you can almost hear Jesus saying, danger, danger, warning, pay attention. I mean, life's short. You heard people say that? Life's short. Yeah, partially true. I think it would be more accurate to say life on this planet is short. We, we all die. This life's short. But friends, in God's kingdom, life's forever. We are going to spend eternity in one of, of two places. We're going to spend eternity somewhere, aren't we? And I'm guessing, as we've been talking here a little bit, some of you, you've had stuff pop in your mind. Things you know. You know, I need to turn away from that. Don't like the word repent, but I need to get away from this stuff. In fact, some of you have been doing your own thing for a long time. And you've let sin creep into your life you know it, you you thought about it. Every time something we talk about a topic, it's like, that's what comes to mind. I mean, some of you have got sidetracked in your life. You know, God's not first. God's somewhere way down the list. In fact, you're not even sure he's on the list anymore. I mean, some of you, you're not pursuing God like you used to pursue God. And I want to go, danger, warning, this life is short, friends. you got to get things right with God and keep them right with God. You know, it's turn. It's repent. Not someday. Not tomorrow. Not, not when things slow down. Not when the kids are grown. Not when things are running smoother. Not when your schedule finally clears out and there's nothing else to do. You know, not when you're, when you're done sowing your wild oats. No, warning, warning, danger. Danger. Friends, have you ever noticed, things never slow down. I used to think, oh, someday. No, someday never happens. That, that mentality is destructive. In fact, I will tell you it's deadly. What we are guaranteed is this moment right now. You know, we are saved by grace. But repentance, <laughs> repentance is part of the kingdom of God. I mean, repentance, it's not something you do once and you don't ever have to do it again. I mean, repentance is something that we do regularly. It's turning away. It's turning away from the things of this world. Turning away, getting, getting priorities straight. It's getting things right with God. And so the question is, What do you need to turn from? You know, it may be an action. It may be a relationship. It may be an attitude. It's turning away from it and turning toward God. See, it's turning toward something. God first, God's kingdom first, turning toward God. Jesus says, do it now. Do it now. Immediately after Jesus uh, gives this warning, he tells a parable tells a parable about a fig tree. And I will tell you up front, the fig tree represents you and me. I mean, this fig tree, it wasn't producing fruit, and the, owner, the owner's kind of assessing the tree, deciding what to do with the tree. And it says this, finally he says to his gardener, I've waited three years, and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down, it's just taking up space in the garden. The, the owner of the vineyard He says, I don't see any fruit on this thing. I've been waiting for years and years and years. We put all this work in, cut it down. And this gardener immediately begins to plead to negotiate with the owner. It says this, says the gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Do you sense the pleading there? Please, leave it another year. I'll give it special attention, plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. But if not, then you can cut it down. Just one more year. I'll I'll work with the soil. I'll I'll fertilize it. You know, if it doesn't grow, then, then we can cut it down. Jesus is saying, you know what, God's extending grace. God's extending grace to you and I. Today we have an opportunity before life on this earth is done. You can't count on repenting and turning to God on your schedule. There's a window. There's an opportunity. And God gives it to you now. At some point... The window closes. Life on this planet is over. And Jesus says, it's too late. The the reality, friends, you do not know. You do not have a clue when your time will be up. You have now. Jesus says, you repent. While you still have time, God's giving you an opportunity. I mean, just just like the fig tree, an opportunity to grow, to produce, to move toward. You know, Peter writes this He said, Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. God's patient. Friends, do not mistake God's patience as an opportunity to keep sinning. I know how this goes. It's, uh, you know, oh, I, I've got time, you know, I'll get things right someday. And it is very, very easy to put off dealing with some sin in your life. And I will just tell you, danger, danger, warning, be careful. You have no idea the full ramification of sin. And I I know, you think, "Eh, I'm fine. I'm getting by with it. Towers fall. Do not mistake in God's grace as permission to continue sinning. And here's what I know. It is really easy to hear a message like this and go, well, I wish so-and-so was here. They sure need to hear this, you know. Wow, they need to repent. You You ought to meet my neighbor off the chain. There's someone that needs to repent. Well, Maybe. Maybe. But you know who needs to repent? You and I. See, repentance, it's the door to the kingdom. Repentance is how we get a relationship with God. But, Christians, repentance is how we grow in our relationship with God as well. You know, Martin Luther, 16th century priest, theologian, he nailed the 95 Thesis to, to the door of the Wittenberg Church. And it was kind of became the foundation for the Reformation movement. But the first of the 95 Thesis had to do with repentance. And he said, Our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent. He willed the entire life of a believer to be one of repentance. The entire life of the believer. Christians, our entire life is about repentance. Repentance is about being in the kingdom of God. But it's also about following and growing in our faith. You know, turning away from those things, turning away when, when God points something out, turning away when the Holy Spirit whispers or a Scripture convicts us. It's turning away. It's that moment when you know I can no longer go this direction. And here's a great thing about repentance: it's not just turning away from it and going, "Oh man, I got to stop doing that. I got to stop. I got to quit." No more of that. No, Jesus, he kind of gives us handles. If one of the early mission statements for him It's found in Mark, the, the first, first chapter. It says, the time promised by God has come, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and what? Believe the good news. So when we repent, when we turn from whatever, you fill in the blank. We all got something we can put there. The gospel means the the proclamation of good news. I mean, what's good news? Well, there's lots of good news as Christians. I mean, ultimately, that huge tower does not fall on us. You know, we've all sinned. Let's be clear about that. We have all sinned. But God's judgment won't fall on us. You know why? Because it fell on Jesus Christ. He let it fall on him. I mean, think about all the sins you, you've committed in your life, that you have not paid the full consequences. You got by with it, you think. I mean, how many times have you lied, lusted, coveted? You wanted something that wasn't yours. You lost your temper. I mean, think about how many times you've just been disobedient. And Jesus paid for all of it. Wiped it clean. You're forgiven. You give God that guilt. God gives you the righteousness of Jesus. And I've talked about this before. We've all earned Fs. On the report card, right? Morally, we, we were all F's. Jesus earned an A because he kept the law perfectly. And so, when you trust in Jesus Christ, we give him our F and we receive Jesus' as A. Plus. That's good news. And not only are we forgiven, but we're given righteousness. In other words, God accepts us as he does his own son. And then God gives us the power to transform and to change. You know, Paul, Paul says in Romans 8 that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that power dwells in us. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I think about how we misuse that power. We can change. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who abide in me, and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do a lot of things. No. You can do a few things. No. You can do what? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. Paul would later write in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Everything through the spirit of God. See, I can love the way that I need to love because of God's spirit. I can work the way I need to work. And I can live the way that I need to live and I'm called to live as a Christian. Christian God's Spirit lives in you. It gives life. It gives hope. It gives strength. But repentance, repentance is required. It's required to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some of you need to do that. You just need to say, I want him. I'm ready to start that walk. But also, Christians, repentance is, is a way of life. Did you hear this? It's a way of life. Something we do regularly, even though we've already made Jesus Christ our Savior, and we have salvation. We are on a journey, friends. We live in this world. But we're not of this world. And we will try... And we will fail. And we will get back up. And we will try again. And we will spend our lives turning away from stuff, turning away from this world, and turning toward God. That's what we're called to do. It's what we're called to live that way. Peter he preached first first message after Jesus ascended and. He says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then time of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. (laughs) Peter preached that. And if you know the life of Peter, he lived that, didn't he? Friends, we are called to live it. We are called to repent, to experience that forgiveness over and over and be refreshed. It is an ongoing process until the, the day that we celebrate and Jesus Christ comes back and we gather in heaven. And that is a reality that I think is out of this world. I'd challenge you this morning. Some of you haven't taken that step. We're gonna have we'll have teams down, down front to pray with you. I'd also challenge Christians. I imagine every one of us have something that as we've been talking, you go, Man, I need to I need to turn from that and break from that. Just just lay it down. If you don't wanna come up and pray with someone, come down and just Find a place on the front by yourself and just say, you know what? Today's the day. I want that fullness that you promised. Let, let, let's stand. That prayer. Our holy God, God, I pray that you would just open our eyes. And then we'd just turn from whatever it is, and turn toward you. God, I know there are some here today that they just need to take that step of faith and make your son their Savior and Lord. And I also know there are many here today that there's just a lot of junk that's been piling up. God, I pray today would be the day we'd turn from that, and that we'd pursue you with everything in us. God, work in us, work through us. May we always seek your face. May we be pleasing with all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray, and God's people said, let's worship together.